0: listening to Snyder & Associates podcast series, the civil engineering planning and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve the quality of life within the communities we serve. The hosts of this episode are Mark Parrington, Todd Knox, and Nate Carhoff.
1: Hello. I'd like to welcome everybody listening to this podcast. This is Mark Parrington with Snyder & Associates. I'm a senior traffic engineer, and I have with me Todd Knox, a traffic engineer, works on a lot of corridor elements, traffic control and systems, and Nate Karhoff, transportation engineer, works on a lot of road design, everything from local collector roads and streets to interstate highways. We've got a diverse group of people here to have a little discussion about what we do in examining safety and considerations we make in corridor design. We try to correct and mitigate safety problems that we find in the field. I'm just going to open this up with some input on how everything varies and fluctuates when we're dealing with the type of roadway we have and the land use it may be serving. There's a lot of ways we look at safety and a lot of issues out there. Todd, could you expand on some things that you see in these different kinds of corridors, but what we may be focusing on when we start to drill down into the safety aspects of a corridor?
0: Sure, Mark. Some of the things that I tend to see expanding beyond the land uses. is if we have too many driveways, we have people coming in and out of them, slowing down, stopping, blocking traffic. That kind of creates those rear end crashes that you see all the time. Then parking it. Somebody opens a door on you as you're driving by and now you take out a door. Narrow lanes in an area where they might have tried to squeeze a four lane roadway in basically a three lane width corridor. Those are some of the things that I tend to see when we're looking at crash concerns along some of these corridors.
1: Nate, you work on a lot of different design type projects and as you go into everything from an intersection of a couple of city streets up to an interstate corridor, what type of things are going through your mind and what do you want to look into as we're making sure that we consider safety on all of our designs?
2: When it comes to the design side of roadways, it usually boils down to the speed of the road and the anticipated traffic volumes. Those two kind of tie into what we call a clear zone. When we design roadways, we try to first eliminate objects out of the clear zone. On a local street, that's generally speaking within 10 feet of the edge of pavement. Higher speed roadways, you're looking at 30 to 40 feet outside of that edge of roadway. So we look at first trying to remove those objects that may become impacted if a vehicle does exit the roadway. Second of all, if we can't eliminate them or move them, we look at protecting those objects with items such as guardrail barriers. Lastly, we could also look at replacing those objects with breakaway style, for example, A lot of local streets have light poles that are within the clear zone. They are supposed to break away and not do as much damage. We always like to look at intersections as far as removing those turning vehicles from through traffic. Addition of turn lanes could really help reduce the slowdown of traffic and those rear-end crashes for turning vehicles.
1: At Snyder and Associates, we've been working on corridor safety studies going clear back to 92, if not a little before then. And we've done a lot of review over the years dealing with some of the initial four-lane to three-lane conversions here in the state of Iowa and many other types of corridor studies that truly were all about safety where there was a high crash rate and what can we do to change this todd do you have a unique corridor that sticks out in your mind and how we looked at that and what type of things we were trying to address
0: yeah one project that kind of comes to mind for me was in fort dodge we did a project around 10 years ago that it was a four lane undivided roadway, no turn lanes, lots of driveways in an industrial area within the community. We started looking at the crashes and it's like, there's a lot of rear ends. There's a lot of overtaking type crashes. Just getting traffic into a single lane would help slow down traffic, help with visibility of vehicles, things like that, that gave the trucks coming through the corridor more opportunity to get out of the through lane or get more area to be able to turn. It eliminated some of the safety concerns by just changing it from a four lane undivided to putting in a two way left turn lane down the center and just a single lane in each direction. That kind of project stood out to me as one that really impacted safety along the corridor.
1: Nate, could you comment a little further on some of the geometry features that are usually on the front of your mind to make sure when we're done with it, it's as safe a corridor as possible?
2: Sure, on the design side, especially at intersections, one of the biggest factors is sight distance. Whether it's a signal controlled, a stop controlled intersection or yield controlled, you wanna have adequate sight distance on the main road as well as the side road. So making sure there isn't obstructions in that sight triangle, say you're on a side road approaching a major intersection, you're gonna wanna make sure the traffic signal poles and fencing don't obscure the view from vehicles entering that intersection. Same is true on the main road. You want to have the through traffic able to see cars approaching from a side road.
1: How about turn lanes and and intersection layout, Nate? I mean, some further things on that related to what you focus on when you lay those out and creating good sight angles.
2: Yes, a lot of that has to do with being able to efficiently get into the turn lane opening up that turn lane with a proper taper ratio that'll allow vehicles to exit the through lane into the turn lane at speed. And then having proper deceleration distance within that turn lane so that you can exit a through lane at speed into the turn lane and then begin your decel into your turn movement. The length of the turn lane really dictates how efficient they are. also thinking about, you have a lot of traffic queuing you not only want to have adequate decel distance, but you also want to have enough storage capacity to handle the amount of vehicles turning.
1: We hear it talked about correctable crashes and the types of crashes, and again, the thing of what we're focusing on when we look at a corridor. Todd, expand on that a little bit of how we think about things in a system, and is a traffic signal or a roundabout the right solution? We have multiple. In a corridor what we have to think about how we make them work together to again help mitigate any crash potential
0: yeah everybody seems to think traffic signals are the answer to everything but really it just changes the manner of collision you try to eliminate the broadside crashes however you start creating some other types the major through movement may have to stop so now you're creating rear-end crashes So you're really not eliminating crashes. You're just changing the pattern of the collisions there. Also, you were asking about the corridor type considerations. As you start getting multiple signals along a corridor, now you're potentially having them stop multiple times. We've been trying to work with communities to create coordination timings. So traffic doesn't stop as much so they can flow smoother through the corridor and not create the potential for right angle crashes or rear end crashes that impacts a side street. And it's a whole balancing act that we have to do on the operation side.
1: I think that's a good comment. Sometimes people think that we are trying to have everybody go faster when we do some of these things. And that's not really what we're trying to achieve. Necessarily, it's more of a uniform flow. I would comment that that's the thing we see a lot: is if we can keep traffic moving more uniformly, and we don't have as many unexpected stops, rapid acceleration, rapid deceleration, that usually leads to a much safer corridor. I think that's a great point, Todd. That many times it isn't just about delay. We're really trying to get a more efficient flow through a corridor so that we can try to help with safety and not create problems of people trying to drive faster to make up for lost time.
0: One thing we try to do is time the signal so that if you're going at or near the speed limit, that's the flow that we want you to be going from one signal to the next signal. We're not encouraging people to go five, 10 miles an hour over the speed limit because that creates a safety concern.
2: Great question for the group here. When we're talking about corridors especially with multi-lane maybe higher volume corridors where you have a side road that is at grade crossing could one of you maybe speak to the non-traditional intersections like a j-turn where the vehicle on the side road isn't really permitted to turn left they have to turn right which is a safer movement and then make a u-turn down the road have you guys had experience with those
1: yeah i know that a lot of treatments we're looking at deal with a four-lane or six-lane expressway style roadways that we see leading into metropolitan areas, or they can just be some of those four-lane divided that are out in a more rural setting. As Todd was alluding to earlier, sometimes a traffic signal out on a corridor like that that is designed for a higher degree of mobility over a greater distance or higher volume of traffic flow, the best answer for when you have a little bit of interference granted trying to take that right angle collision away sometimes introducing that red light out on the high speed road now means at some point in time somebody's going to stop that can be a difficult thing we're really evolving here i think in the midwest where we're starting to see more of these types of treatments as you mentioned the r cut essentially you're on the side road you're turning right which is a simplified movement. you're then making a u-turn which again We simplify that for you and give you less things to try to take in and deal with, and then re-enter the traffic stream. The goal is that we might be taking somebody about 1,000, 2,000 feet out of their way, but the idea is if that one time we can eliminate that crossing attempt where someone makes a mistake and is not double-checking for traffic in a certain direction, if we can take that away to where that can't happen, we could be potentially getting rid of a fatality at an intersection with a high-speed broadside crash. If there's one fatality removed out of an intersection that allows a family member, a friend, whoever it is, to go back home to those people that are important to them, we think that's a very, very important thing. So, again, our approach is, mitigating problems, eliminating these potential conflicts, which in turn tend to lead to severe crashes, injuries and fatalities. I think that's one of our big goals as designers is how do we do some of those things to really get rid of those bad crashes. Todd, if we are seeing certain right angle or a lot of rear-end crashes, what might be things we're looking for and how do we impact those? If you guys want to comment with maybe some more specifics as examples.
0: It's not just for left turn lanes either. We've been starting to do a little bit more positive offset for right turn lanes too, for just the traffic coming out of a driveway or a public street. We've been shifting the right turn lanes out so that those people either turning right, turning left, or going through can see around that vehicle slowing down to turn right. There's those left turn lanes, but also with signal control, we can do some things that can help mitigate some of these turning movements. We've seen the flashing yellow arrow pop up more and more and is getting to be pretty widespread across the state. That gives us the flexibility to, if we see by time of day that a left turn crash, they can't see around the vehicle opposing them, we can implement a protected only left turn movement for just those few hours that we deem is necessary. Then we can go back and release it to All right, now we will allow the protected left to go, but we'll also follow it up with a permissive movement. There's a few things like that that we can do with the traffic signal.
1: Nate, as we look at some of these corridors, we are serving a lot of different modes of traffic. It isn't always just a low speed street that may have pedestrians and bicyclists out there as well. We use these corridors to create movement for them as well, whether they're recreational activities or commuting route. Maybe comment on geometry as you look at those, what has to go through your mind as you approach intersections within the corridor or just any other design elements where you're sharing these different types of modes of traffic.
2: Most times we wanna keep that far away from the through traffic movement. Just for safety purposes, we wanna keep pedestrians out of the clear zone as well. So a lot of times in a four lane facility, the sidewalk or the trail will be located at the edge of the right of way or as far away from the vehicle travelway as possible. Like you mentioned at intersections though, we wanna make sure that those crossings are as visible as possible and create as safe as crossing as we can. Some things to consider at the intersection is the location of the crossing, adding refuge islands in between the opposing traffic that provides you some sort of barrier so you can cross safely. Sometimes the location at an intersection may not be best. We've seen some places where a mid-block crossing may work better typically on lower speed roadways. Those can be made safer by the addition of raised pedestrian crossings, proper signing, or even pedestrian signals. There's specific situations where that could be advantageous for the safety versus locating them at an intersection. Of course, where applicable, we'd also look at a grade separated facility where vehicles can cross a major roadway, either going underneath that in a tunnel or up over top in a bridge just to eliminate that conflict completely. That is, of course, the safest option when it comes to pedestrian crossings.
1: Right. The vulnerability of bicyclists and pedestrians is key. You know from the pure physics of the outcomes when you have conflict between these different modes, car, truck versus, say, bike, ped, and that's something I think we all are very focused on when we deal with these corridors and what we examine. And I think the other side to it is these corridor studies and looking at safety within a corridor, sometimes it's stepping back farther and looking at an intersection in its entirety that we see more trends. There might be the concern, the complaint, but if you get too zoomed in on it, you know, maybe don't really notice what may be happening as far as severity with crashes and other issues of things we can correct we try to make sure that safety is an element of anything we're doing. Even when it's as simple as we're adding a turn lane or something, we take really a really good look at it to see is there anything while we're touching th- this area in a corridor or at an intersection that we can make better while that investment is being made? Because we've certainly emphasized it in a lot of our other discussions that budgets are so limited, you hate to do more of a maintenance project and then realize a little later that, If we would have looked at safety a little more, there's a few things we would have done while the contractor was out there doing the work. And in the incremental budget of the whole thing, it could have been a very small difference to make a correction out there to, again, try to have a positive impact on crash frequency or mitigating things that are happening out there, reducing severity.
2: Could be as little as four feet that allows those bicyclists that are out in the more rural areas. Who are going to ride on the road to give them a little bit of a shoulder to take them out of the through traffic as much as possible mm-hmm. could have a make a world of difference and at yeah. a very minimal incremental cost increase
1: that little bit of extra pavement out there can really end up having a lot of uh incremental difference on safety over time todd did you have something you wanted to mention
0: Yeah. These safety improvements that we've been discussing, some of them are not cheap. Yet here in Iowa, we do have that transportation safety improvement program funding that does provide opportunities for agencies to obtain funding through the DOT to pay for some of these improvements. We'd like to address these safety problems as much as we can, and this just provides a funding mechanism for that.
2: Guardrail isn't a bad thing to have Sometimes we as designers look at protecting stuff within the clear zone or trying to eliminate objects out of the clear zone. If we can't do that, we have to do that with guardrail or some other sort of barrier. Sometimes it's not necessarily in the clear zone that we're trying to make safer. For example, on the interstate, the new standard for median width would lead a designer to believe that if a vehicle leaves the roadway towards the median side there should be ample distance there to recover prior to creating a head on collision on the interstate we want to weigh the benefit versus the cost of what would happen if someone does leave the roadway there have been situations where there is ample median space yet we still put cable guardrail up because the worst thing that could happen is someone still does cross through the median and into a head-on collision at high speed. If you leave the roadway and you hit the guardrail, but that prevented you from crossing the center line and a most likely fatal crash head-on.
1: Going back to the point for agencies of limited budgets, we don't have unlimited resources to try to design everything. Many times... We have to do these proven methods that tend to show a lower cost to implement but have a large benefit. The cable barrier rail that you're referring to on interstates is a great example of fairly low maintenance item that they have to deal with. Did it potentially save that vehicle though from your point of crossing across the median people with some body damage to vehicles is far less than if we have that one or two cars go across the median and end up in a head-on collision that can end up resulting in just fatalities a lot of severe injuries and just a very tragic thing i think that's some of what the things we're looking for in the safety in these corridors is techniques and measures that again may have a different side consequence to it but we help take away the severity of crashes injuries fatalities things that we're trying to look at these days, and that can be applied at all levels of roadways and features we do with the infrastructure. At the end of the day, though, safety is such an important element of what we consider and has to be. We hope through the processes and the approaches we take, we do our best to help agencies deliver and improve roadway network and make things as safe as possible for the traveling public. So thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Snyder and Associates podcast series, The civil engineering, planning and design firm focused on thinking beyond engineering to improve quality of life within the communities we serve. Find content related to this episode on Snyder-associates.com.